When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, baseball family. We're here with David Page. He is the author of Food Americana. And what better discussion to have with a man who has dedicated that much time to discussing food, writing about food, and experiencing food than to have a discussion about stadium eats? Because we are obsessed with food, David. (laughs) We are. Uh, It's interesting because I didn't include stadium food in in my last book, but I'm currently working on a book. Uh, tentatively titled Eating While Standing, about all of the ways that we aren't served, but we we eat, and I'm including ballpark food. So um, Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's what we want to talk about uh, today. We and, and I have another question for you I'll ask you later because I keep forgetting. So don't let me forget to ask Write you later. It down. Reuben yeah. Sandwich. The Reuben Sandwich. My Invented in one. Omaha, Nebraska. What? A name for a guy named Reuben, yeah. Everyone thinks, it? it's, everyone thinks it's a New York deli item. Uh, it was invented in Omaha. Uh, as I recall, either the owner of the restaurant or a friend of his or somebody was named Reuben, and that's it. You know, it's perceived as a Jewish deli food. Technically speaking, it's not kosher because it mixes um, meat and milk in the same in the same sandwich. Wow. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I did not know that. Okay, well, well now we've got it. Great, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm going to leave them off the Yeah, right. <laughs> no, David, we wanted to know specifically, let's just start with the hot dog. Mm-hmm. How did the hot dog, do you think, become such a staple, such a cultural icon, especially in ballparks? Well, it's, it, it's portable. It's It's... Back then, one of the few things that you could hold in a hand, hold your program in the other, or your scorecard, or whatever you had. Um, but you know, when when baseball started back in the 17th century, um, according to a researcher whose whose book I read, it was ham and cheese sandwiches and and, and that sort of thing, ice cream, lemonade. The hot dog became popular in, uh, I think that, yeah, the early 1900s. There's a story that says a guy named Harry Stevens, who was an early ballpark catering guy, invented the hot dog. It was a cold day at the polo grounds, and he sent his guys over to a German butcher shop to pick up some sausages. But that story doesn't hold up. Um, and what really doesn't hold up is the allegation that there was a cartoonist in the local paper who these were referred to by Harry Stevens as dachshunds and, and he couldn't spell dachshunds. So he wrote hot dog that uh, there's no way to prove it. It's, it's probably not true, but the idea is that, uh, it was a portable food that was a step above peanuts um, that that you could easily and quickly sell and consume at a ballpark, and it became and and look, it remains the the standard food. I I, I can't find the numbers. I went looking for them, but I am 
relatively convinced that it remains the top selling. Uh, I mean, beer is probably the number one, but that in terms yeah. of food items, hot dogs are, are most likely number one. And, you know, it's funny, um, stadium hot dogs aren't necessarily great. Uh, you know, um, the, the Dodger dog, I, I was reading a description of it, the long, sort of mushy, very skinny beef pork blended hot dog that's one of the most famous foods in baseball is sort of terrible. Okay, <laughs> um, that, I, yeah. I had my first Dodger dog last November at a spring yeah. at a uh, fall league game, and I was like, it, it's it's fine. I've had yeah. better, but it, it's not great. Well, that, it's it's exactly- no it's no different than the Fenway Frank. It's fine. Um, now. Obviously, uh, you can get variations on this at Bush Stadium. They they have what do they call it? I don't know. It's it's a bacon well, wrap. hot dog in baseball. Yeah, right. It's this jumbo hot dog that they wrap in applewood smoke. See, I did my research. Applewood yeah, smoked yeah. bacon topped with baked beans, pico de gallo, spicy aioli, and crispy fried onions. Now that takes that basic food into the upscaled sort of artisanal sort of extreme area that hot dogs outside of stadiums have been occupying of late. I mean, you read articles about hot dogs. What's the best hot dog in somebody's state in passing. They mentioned that it's a good, nicely spiced dog, but it's always all about the toppings or, or the combinations. Cause you know, at some point a hot dog is just a hot dog, which is fine. I'm, you know, I, I love hot dogs, but um, it's a pretty basic food item. Uh, it's also relatively inexpensive. Well, nothing's inexpensive at a ballpark, but it is a relatively inexpensive food item. And at least until COVID, it was something people were able to comfortably pass down the row of seats, <laughs> which is, you know, I lived in Europe for a long time. I, I, I don't know if that happens at, at soccer games or football games, as they call them. But the uniquely American tradition of passing your food through the hands of a bunch of people who probably have just been to the restroom and didn't wash i mean it's just (laughs) kind of gross when you think about it it is so that actually brings me to a question like like a a debate about hot dogs is a a hot dog a sandwich Uh, (laughs) okay technically i'll go yes okay most people will disagree with me but i'm going to get as basic as it gets it's a protein product on a bread product. It's a sandwich. That's the way I see it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so what is? Let, let's stick on the hot dog for a little bit because it is halfway decent. Like here in Arizona at at Chase Field, you can get mm-hmm. a hot dog for like two bucks. They have their their value dog, yeah. and it's fine, right? Just like every other hot yeah. dog you have. But what is it about the ballpark? that we can go get a crappy hot dog, stale popcorn, and an incredibly overpriced soda and be so happy with it. No, it's childhood. What is it? It's childhood. Yeah. These are basically childhood foods. I mean, we can discuss the upscaling of ballpark food, but basically as a kid, the first time you go to a ball game, you have a hot dog, you have a soda. Um, and that's a memory that that stays with you. Um you know, and, and it doesn't have to just be a plain hot dog. I mean, go go to a Washington Nationals game. You can get a half smoke from Ben's Chili Bowl, which is one of the greatest food items. I mean, I'd put that on my list of 10 things to eat before I die. So it, it does Oh, 
You ever had a half smoke at Ben's? No. Oh, hello. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Your, your, your life is incomplete. Um, it's phenomenal. Um, so but, but to, to go back to my initial point, it's, it's childhood food. It's hot dogs, peanuts, popcorn, ice cream, Cracker Jack, soda. Um, the soda, when you get older, is replaced by adult soda, which is beer. Sure. Um, which is usually an incredibly overpriced, lousy beer. Although increasingly craft beer has come to baseball parks, uh, especially Big in uh, Colorado. Uh, but but uh, it's childhood food, and and that's a wonderful thing. It's a memory. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, what could be better? So you're saying I'm doing the right thing by every time I take my kid to the ballpark, I am shoving sugar at her, and I'm. I'm forging positive neuropathways that are associated with basically drugs to make sure that she has a good experience and wants to go back to the ballpark. Well, as Chris Rock says, as long as you keep her off the pole. Yeah. <laughs> She's not getting on the pole. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You're a good father. There you go. <laughs> My life is incomplete and I'm a good father. This is great. I feel good. You've never been, you gotta go. Oh, Ben's, Ben's chili bowl. It's this hole in the wall. Um, it, and it, I mean, there's bizarre stories about it. His, his number one customer, the only customer allowed to cut the line. And this was before the news caught up with him was Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So out of every hole in the wall place you've ever been, what's one place you feel like would fit at a ballpark as far as like the way that the food is made, like it would actually work logistically, but also like what they have would be good for a ballpark. Oh, Can you think of one? Jeez. Uh, there is uh, a small diner in either Boulder or Colorado Springs that sells these massive plates of hash browns covered with various proteins, eggs, sauces, cheese. And if you can eat nachos at a ballpark, and they were first introduced at, uh, at Ranger Games, uh, you, could, you could do this. Um, and the place, I don't remember the name, but it, it literally is a, a very small post-war diner that was painted purple and turrets were put on. It looks like a purple castle. And these plates are fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. tell me about nachos. You, you said that they were first introduced at Rangers games. Yeah. Um, nachos were, as the best anyone can tell, nachos were invented by a guy whose nickname was Nacho at, uh, at a small restaurant uh, in Piedras Negras, Mexico, across the border from Eagle Pass, when a group of American military wives came in, probably drinking, uh, but wanted something to eat, and the, the chef, chef, the cook was gone. And so this guy whipped up a bunch of nachos, and um, I mean, they had no name, It was, but his, his nickname, Nacho, is, is a Mexican nickname for uh, someone named Ignacio. So he, they said, what is this? He said, it's nachos especiales. And that's how they came to be. But it was a guy named Frank Liberto 
who um, really made nachos a thing um, because he was the one who first served them at the Texas Rangers games in Arlington. I think it was, yeah, 1976. And he's the guy, I believe, who invented the pumpable fake cheese which made it possible to do nachos as, as a kind of fast food. And as I recall, he was skeptical that you could sell these at a baseball game, but the, the folks running the Rangers uh, wanted to expand their offerings and give it a shot. And of course it took off. Although to be fair, what really made nachos a national thing uh, was not baseball, but, but football uh, during a Monday night football game, it was Cassell and company in the booth. And during the game, you know, the stadium brought them food and stuff and, and delivered a plate of nachos, which these guys had never seen before. And, and Cosell was going on and on about it. He first called them nachos, I think. And and that's <laughs> what that's what made the nacho. And now, of course, you can get all kinds of, you know, piled high with garbage nachos at various ballparks. Um, yeah. Even though by definition or description, one would say, how the hell do you eat that at a game? But, you know, people eat all sorts of things at games now. Well, I'm going to I'm going to actually put up an overlay of my favorite garbage can nacho platter that I've seen. Uh, This is the garbage can nachos at the Savannah Bananas games. And uh, well, they are, kind of, hold on, that's not even yeah. major league baseball. That's a summer collegiate league. They For have sure. to do anything they can, and, and that's, that's fine. They, that looks like they a do. great platter of food, but you could you could cater a bar mitzvah with that thing. You could, you could, and they do because it's a picnic atmosphere, and everyone's in it for everybody else. Have you been to a bananas game, David? No, no, no. The only. Uh, the only minor league games I would go to were in St. Paul when we lived in Minneapolis. You know, it, it was not like going to a Twins game uh, sure. in that occasionally someone got on base. But um, it was fun. You know, it, it's uh, it's cheap, uh, relatively cheap, and it's goofy, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel fine for – I feel sorry for some of the players there because here you are, you're in AAA, you're trying hard to make the club, and the team is not being sold on the basis of your performance. It's being sold on the basis of bring your family out and have a goofy time. Yeah. Yeah, the Saints are known for that. Like, there's, like, the massage nun who makes her way around the stands, and there used to be the train tracks out in the outfield, right? This is more than I know. Oh, see, I learned I learned some stuff when I was up. You're way beyond my my level of competence because having dropped thirty k on the Twins, I only went to Twins games. (laughs) Focused on the Twins there. Yeah, investment. Yeah, Yeah. we would go there for dinner. We'd leave the office, drive twenty minutes, have dinner, watch them get down ten to two, and leave by the fifth. I mean, yeah. Oh man, that's so brutal. Oh my and goodness. it's a shame because I hate to say this, I, I, I rarely use any kind of influence based on television, but we got put at the head of the line for those season tickets because the guy in charge of the thing was a big diners fan. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> Then he saw me uh, in the clubhouse one day, in the restaurant one day, and he said, "You know, I thought I'd see more of you this year." I said, "I thought I'd see a better team." 
It was like it was, the, year, the year after Maurer won everything, you know? Yeah. 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 That's funny. Okay, um, I have another question, Brad. Do you mind ahead, if Brad, I jump yeah. in real quick? Yeah, go So ahead. Brad and I have a sort of system that we've created, and it's mm-hmm. interesting that it's evolved from two separate locations and two separate, you know, experience bases between the two of us. But we, we do a lot of the same food behavior at baseball games we mm-hmm. we have like we walk in and this is what we get first we get our main meal of the, of the day and then we have what we call the fourth inning snack and we find that for us that's just the perfect time to jump up for me it's a soft pretzel for brad it's uh what is it a pulled pork sandwich what's your fourth inning no, snack? it's usually it's usually popcorn or ice cream pop that's right or, so or, or put them together yeah yeah <laughs> popcorn and ice cream together what the hell <laughs> no, we'll get there in a minute. I have a question about that for you. Go ahead, Brad. Okay. Anyway, so is is this a is this a normal thing we do, or are we just that invested in the ballpark experience? Oh, I, I I think it's absolutely normal. We all have our our food traditions, if you will. Our our, our it's almost like food OCD. There's a certain way you um you become attached to food which is a trigger for memory. It's a trigger for emotion. It's um, uh, also a baseball game is an excuse to indulge. So, you know, you can go in a sixth and seventh and eighth inning snack if you want. But yeah, it's, that's absolutely, I think everyone does that. Absolutely. Do you have a routine? Do you have a little system you follow or? Yeah, um, but I'm weird. I would go to my seat first. Now, it was different in Minnesota because you walked in through the restaurant, so we timed it to eat. And then, you know, during the game, uh, there were waiters who would bring you alcohol and things. So it was really obnoxious. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I would uh, traditionally get seated. And then second inning, call over a hot dog vendor. And I, I tend to prefer having everyone in the stadium touch my food before it gets to me. So uh, I I would do that. And I I frankly would have a hot dog two or three times during a game, Uh, maybe some ice cream and likely a beer. Um, I don't eat as much as some people do at a baseball game because I actually, your hands are full. I'd rather, you know, be able to stand up if somebody hits a home run. Um, so I guess what I've just fessed up to is I'm mostly a hot dog guy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, Nothing I, mean, wrong with I that. wore this shirt today for a reason. It says a, a hot dog at the ballpark is better than a steak at the Ritz. You know who said that? Humphrey Bogart. Correct. Yeah. It's, yes, it's one of our shirts on the shop. I wanted to wear it today because it's my. Yeah. I know who's son. Really? He worked at NBC when I was there. That's wow. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, what's interesting, I mean, I don't know him well, we're acquaintances, but um, he would be telling a story and saying, and then my mom said, and you'd think, oh my God, he means Lauren Bacall. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so cool. That is cool. That's awesome. Um, so you talked about popcorn and ice cream. I'm mm-hmm. curious how things like that happen at ballparks, like why people do things like this. This is a burgerizza. And it, uh-huh. it looks like it's two pieces, two like pan, like personal sized pizzas with a cheese, bacon cheeseburger between. Like, 
yeah uh, like this is a monstrosity why would somebody do that and and like there's i think there's things like chili with fruit loops or something like that uh, they would do it for exactly the result they just got publicity um it is the opinion it's my opinion and that of uh, some other observers of the food scene at ballparks that the truly extreme stuff is mostly for buzz that uh, it's hard to eat. And in many cases, not particularly good, but it gets, um, it gets people talking. It, it gets publicity for, for the ballpark. And yeah, some, you know, and look, some of it is uh, perfectly edible. Uh, generally, oversized versions of normal dishes like they, they sell a two-foot hot dog uh chili cheese dog uh at rangers games okay i mean that that's fine um a lot of it look there's the braves are selling a 151 dollar wagyu beef burger it's on an irish buttered brioche bun with cage-free pan-fried eggs gold leaf wrapped hudson valley foie gras Grilled cold water lobster tail, heirloom tomato, bib lettuce, Tillamook cheddar cheese, and truffle aioli with a side of Parmesan waffle fries. It sells for 151 bucks to honor the Braves' 151-year anniversary as a franchise. Now, who the hell's going to buy that? Nobody, but it got me talking about it. I found it in an article. I'm sure all three Atlanta TV stations covered it, you know. Um, yeah. That's fine. And, and, you know, the, some of this stuff, is, I will say, is um, depends on how big it is. There are extreme dishes that um, make locals happy, like um, the Pirates in Pittsburgh. They, they sell um, cucumber kimchi with fried ham and mini pierogies on a toasted roll. Now, putting pierogies on a hoagie is actually not unheard of in Pittsburgh. Um, they also sell sandwiches from Promonti Brothers, which are famous for putting a pile of French fries on top of whatever else you're having. So I would suspect that that actually sells. Meantime, you know, the Red Sox sell fluffernutter fries. Those are sweet potato fries, crushed peanuts, cilantro, peanut sauce, and fluff sauce, with fluff being that, that fake marshmallow stuff that's popular that's in new england right, yeah. i don't you know does anyone buy that I, I grew up in new england i'm weird they're weird maybe uh, but it, it, it certainly is something to talk about yeah you know you can get rocky mountain oysters at, at colorado rockies games which for those who don't know are deep fried bulls testicles um but you can look at in seattle you know, they, they, they saw, uh, is it crickets or gra it's grasshoppers? Oh, it is grasshoppers. Deep right. fried yeah. grasshoppers. Um, they, they brought them out, I think, probably for the PR benefit, and people went nuts and continue to buy them. Uh, it's a big deal. So, you know, it's whatever strikes your fancy. And we're worried the grasshoppers this? are going to replace the, uh, the garlic fries as the signature dish at T Mobile. Because, man, those are killer. So good. Are they? I haven't so seen good. Okay. Well, there yeah, you go. Yeah, you need to. It's like as soon as you walk in the gate, it smacks you in the face. You're like, okay, I need to go get some garlic fries to <laughs> like settle that a little bit. And it's really good. They're the best I've ever had. They're yeah, you don't have to say slap you in the face. You can just say you get Chris rocked. 
the interesting trend at the ballpark is take away the extreme stupid dishes is the degree to which local good food or even if it's not good food i mean in cincinnati you can get skyline chili at the park that's a local dish um the the half smoke at at the uh, at the game in washington the the cuban sandwich in tampa the the crab cake in baltimore um they're, they're, in san diego they're selling queso bidia tacos which are unbelievably good they are unbelievable you know, yeah they're, they're incredible and you know a lot of beyond local there is a fair amount of elevated food being served at ballparks, stuff like sushi um, mm-hmm. or at Target Field now. Um, Andrew Zimmern, the alleged celebrity chef, is selling chilled sesame peanut noodles and Korean fried chicken. I mean, you can get um, real food at a ballpark. I'm not sure I want to sit in my seat hoping to catch a foul ball while. Um, making my way through a poke bowl, but yeah, <laughs> to each his own, you know. What do you think yeah. for? <laughs> that seems like a, that would seem like it would be a mess. You've got a foul ball coming, you've got this bowl with your no, no, on the other hand, you've got a bowl to catch it in, so yeah, that's, that's true. true. Or your glove, <laughs> yeah, but you gotta put that on and put down yeah. the bowl. It's just maybe you use the glove to hold the poke bowl. Oh, maybe you just there. There you go. You get a first baseman's mitt, put the pokey in the mitt, and you're fine. <laughs> Which helps condition the leather better than needs for the one. Rick, you're set. You're I'm set. set, man. I got like yeah. 18 first base gloves. <laughs> I saw a picture online the other day of Brooks Robinson's glove from one of their victorious World Series, and I don't know why, but it made me like shiver. Yeah, it, it just looked like a glove. But it was his, and you know, I'm old, I remember him. Couldn't hit worth a damn, but Jesus Christ, pardon me. Geez, did he have range <laughs> for sure? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. Cool. There are, yeah, there are certain things like here in uh, Chase Field, they have like a museum out in center field where you can go in, you can see the World Series trophy and there's all this stuff where like I think the World Baseball Classic was hosted here so they have stuff from that they have all the gold gloves silver sluggers have a bunch of baseball signed yeah. by everybody who came through the organization it's cool just to see the stuff it's like it's yeah. yeah well that guy thing, handled that but again see baseball has equipment very few kids who played football saying you know just let's have a team let's have a game and they went at each other um, they didn't own stuff but when you played baseball, you owned your glove, and yeah. you probably owned a bat, and they were prized possessions. And you know, you you talk to each other about, I got a new glove. How do I break it in? Well, and you know, everyone had you you put a ball in it, and then you wrap string around it, and then you bury it in the ground for a year, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember same when I was, same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I was a kid, the Wilson. A2000 kangaroo leather glove came out. Now, this was before PETA, and we can discuss whether you should be making gloves out of kangaroos, but that was like somebody had one that I knew, and I thought to myself, that person must be wealthy. I mean, that's major league players use that glove. 
was and and, and, thing for well, sure. and you can smell a glow you know it's just it's it's uh, it evokes emotions it yeah. does yeah yeah I that's agree. one of my favorite things to do sitting in the game just just smell oh yeah smell the game yeah or, or the pokeball either one or the pokeball both you could have yeah. both yeah so let's talk let me shift gears really quick into lowbrow basic cheap just ridiculously cheap food like at fenway you can get fried dough which is just a scone right it's just a deep fried thing of dough with honey butter on it i guess okay right so what is it is baseball like the the last vestige of crappy food that we are still in love with i'm not sure it's the last vestige this is a country that loves crappy food but um (laughs) It's certainly, it goes back to what I said earlier about um, an allowable indulgence. When you go to a ballpark or a state fair, and those are certainly not as um, numerous, uh, but I'm including fair food in in my next book. And we went to the Minnesota State Fair last September uh, reporting for the book. The the rule is there's no rule. Eat as much of this terrible stuff as you want. And, you know, I'm sure more than one kid has puked in the parking lot outside Dodger Stadium. But it's it's like a cheat day in life, you know. You go on in. I mean, look, Cracker Jacks um, are probably not the best thing for you. Uh, but I sure like the prize. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, ice cream, you know, it, it's just... The, the real killer for me, and I don't know how many ballparks still sell this. You'll, you'll have to tell me. Cotton candy. Hey, kid, let, 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 let's eat a pound of spun sugar. I mean, that's My a whole kid it every time. Really? Mine too. Every yeah, single time. He at least asks for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, well, it's fun, uh, I, like it. uh, I rest my indulgence case. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and yeah. Dippin' Dots. Dippin' Dots and... and uh, and cotton candy and popcorn. Those are my kids. That's what she wants every time. Well, that's a full balanced diet. Yeah. <laughs> you have one from the sugar group, one from the artificial flavoring group. And what's the third? You know, it's popcorn. Styrofoam. Uh, <laughs> well, no, pop- popcorn is all natural. Popcorn is the organic element. There you go. There you go. With but it has to be doused yeah. in fake butter or else they're not going to eat it. That's right. Yeah, and I think that fake butter is clearly made from old tires. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what's in that stuff. Why is it so much better at a ballpark than it is at a theater? I will never understand. But it's better at a ballpark. Everything's better at a ballpark. That, yes. Everything's Wait, better at a ballpark. I agree. That's I mean, look, it's part of, again, it's part of a, a 360 degree experience. Movies are not that. Movies, is, I, I love movies. Movies are wonderful, but at a ballpark, uh, think of it if you're a kid, a, a, a little kid, and you're not really into the game, but there's people all over the place you can make faces at, there's yelling, there's jumping up and doing this, and if you're a kid, you do it out of uh, sequence with everyone else. There's just so much to see and do, and I remember the first time, uh, to this day, I still get this feeling, when you walk up and through whatever doorway 
number you have for your seats and you get that first glimpse of the field, it's magic, you know, and as a kid, the first time you see a ball field, it's huge. It's the biggest thing you've ever seen, you know? Um, and it's funny cause as a journalist, you occasionally get down to the field as an adult journalist, the field ain't that big anymore. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a game a couple weeks ago. It got real. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It got real big the time back in the 80s that NBC sent me to interview Dave Parker about his involvement in a cocaine ring. And uh, I got press credentials, walked onto the field pregame. He was back there throwing. I'm on the sidelines, and I yell, hey, Dave, can I interview you? He says, who are you with? I say, NBC. He says, local or network? I say, (laughs) network. He says, okay, come on out. So I walk out with the crew, and I ask him about cocaine, and he looks at me and says, you ever ask me anything like that again, I will squash your head. And then we left the field. (laughs) What I wanted to yell back at him was, Dave, I'm a big fan. I think you're great. (laughs) <laughs> it's work. I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, could you autograph something for me while I run away? <laughs> but that walk was so long. It was oh. no, it walked very fast leaving, yes. <laughs> the longest mall walk of your yeah. life. Yeah, we're <laughs> right. But yeah, no, it, awesome. it's crazy how big the field is. Like I like I said, I was telling my buddy, I was like, could you can you believe we played on a field this size when we were in high school? And he's like, it, it looks so much bigger. Yeah, no, it's and and back when the twins played in uh, the Humphrey Goober dome, that was the most unpleasant on field experience in the world. The whole thing felt cheap. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like, what the hell is this? And it was a perfect metaphor for the whole thing. When the roof collapsed, (laughs) <laughs> I remember on the, other, on the other hand you know it's interesting you talk about ballpark design they obviously never considered um prevalent air currents because when they moved into target field they stopped hitting home runs it was something about the location because the wall uh, the the fences were not that far mm-hmm. um but they, they couldn't hit home runs wow yeah, I, but speaking of cheap, though, like I remember going to the Kingdom for the first time, looking down and being like, "This is like living room carpet." Yeah. Oh, the whole the astroturf. Yeah, but I mean, the whole story of astroturf is absurd. Mm-hmm. The you know they 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 uh, open the astrodome. All of a sudden, outfielders can't see the ball, so they paint the roof. All of a sudden, grass won't grow. Hello, Monsanto. We're kind of screwed here. I mean, that's <laughs> your turf and, and the true bane of, of anyone's existence, those ridiculous National League sliding pits that they had. Come on. What are the sliding pits? They, on AstroTurf uh, infields, they had like an area around the bag that was dirt. Oh, yeah. yeah instead of having the big full diamond, it was yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if they do this in baseball, but what they do in football now with the uh, the dome stadiums and the field is on tracks and they roll it out all week. And I guess you can't roll it out all week 
if it's a baseball stadium because you're playing, you know, 10 game homestands. So, yeah. Yeah. Usually with baseball now, like they're getting, I feel like they're getting away from the domes and mm-hmm. going to the retractable roof. Makes much yeah. more sense. Uh, I think Makes the only true dome more. left is the Trop. In, Trop. In oh, and that's such a great stadium. Oh, beautiful ball. Yeah, just perfect for baseball. <laughs> uh-huh. The ball goes up and it doesn't come down. Give me a break. <laughs> Have you seen it from the outside? I was driving through St. Pete a couple of months ago, and it's on this cattywampus angle. Like, from the the outside, you're like, you, you, they. it's almost like they thought, all right, if we put home plate here, and then the ball on the launch angle is going to be so. Let's make the roof at a similar angle, and it just looks terrible. It looks outside. like it's sinking into the ocean. It does. Literally. It's so weird. I hate to say this, but you've got a lousy team. No one will come support in a building that is not in any way suitable for baseball. Now you ask me about about Rob Manfred. That team should not exist. Move it. Put it someplace where people want to go see a baseball game in a facility worth playing in. Well, they can't even get to it with the traffic problems that they have. I mean, it's just a nightmare. When the Rays do play well, it's it's an all day affair just to get in and out. Yeah, it's plus the uh, game time. Yeah, terrible. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up, David. Thank yeah. you again so much for joining us. Again, check out his book, Food Americana. Uh, he just had a daughter graduate from college, so he needs you to buy his book. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. It came out last year, up. right? It's the came subtitle out. is. Oh, I'm sorry. The subtitle is the remarkable people and incredible stories behind America's favorite dishes. Yeah. Uh, look for it on Amazon. There's a lot of, uh, I think surprising information in there that uh, very very popular on amazon right now i just looked you're at four four out of five stars overall which is well, who the hell didn't give me five stars <laughs> i'm looking <laughs> what, the heck, what the heck that's like, that's like batting 298 damn it was so close no on amazon that's like batting uh, like a 398 this is killer okay <laughs> Now, go there and buy 12 or 15 copies of my book. Excellent. Hand them out at Christmas. They make a great Christmas gift. Um, Or if you missed Father's Day last week, pick up a copy. Is there a place we can tell our baseball family where else they can find your your forthcoming works and and anything else you're working on? Well, I've got uh, both a Facebook and an Instagram tied to Food Americana, and uh, I'll keep folks updated there. Awesome. Excellent. Love it. Th- thank you very much for having me. This was fun. Thank Good. You. We really We're glad. It. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Anytime. Really enjoyable.